Hello, and welcome to the Blockade Runner podcast number 175. My name is John. With me, as always, is Ryan. What's up, Ryan? Good morning. Yeah, good morning. Daylight savings time uh, kicked in today. Does that happen? That happens for you out there, too, in Denver, Ryan? For some reason. For some reason. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We had some, like, well, nobody cares, but we had some, like, statute or law or something that was trying to get pushed to like not do daylight savings time a Mm -hmm. year or two ago but i guess that didn't happen yeah it's something i feel like everyone agrees is terrible and (laughs) but we refuse to change as a country around it i don't know i i like it in the fall i just don't like it now but yeah um, yeah. Well, this is uh, this is like I said, episode one seventy five. We um, we took a, a one week break last week mm-hmm. um, in preparation for daylight savings time, just to kind of get our head in the right space for uh, dealing with today. Oh, um, is that what happened? I think so. Yeah, okay. I think that's why okay. we. I think that's why we didn't record last week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was also sick as a dog uh, after my second vaccine last week mm. so i was very grateful uh for <laughs> i guess the slow news week um but yeah uh, yeah i had a i had a rough couple days after that uh that that second pfizer shot oh wow okay yeah well uh yeah that's good you're uh you're all vaccinated ryan you're you're all mm-hmm. ready for star wars celebration 2022 right you're yeah. all uh You'll be good. I'm good to go. <laughs> Maybe get a booster shot before uh, attending that event, if possible. But we'll see yeah. what happens. Huh? Still yeah. might just keep wearing a mask. <laughs> oh, yeah. Going I'm... forward, like kind of just in general, like I'm kind of so used to it now. I like... think, yeah, I kind of think that's the that, that'll be the thing for a lot of us for a long time. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um. Then again, a lot of us haven't been wearing gatherings with strangers like. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that is our uh, our daylight savings time vaccine uh, status update for today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, we'll jump into be with you. (laughs) We'll jump into the uh, the show proper here. And, um, you know, you kind of mentioned the news. Uh, We have uh, a few news items to uh, to discuss here this morning. And then also, Ryan, I just, um, I don't know, I kind of feel like I have been uh, not very plugged into what's been going on um, Star Wars wise for a couple of weeks here, just being mm-hmm. busy with with other things. And so I was uh, going through, actually, I was looking through um, jedinews.co.uk. Mm-hmm. So uh, thanks to them and um, just kind of like catching up on, on some of the stuff that, you know, uh, smaller stories that you, you maybe don't, you know, find out about if you're not really paying close attention. So in doing that, I found a couple of, uh, I thought, uh, pretty interesting stories about the making of the sequel trilogy, actually, that I Mm. I probably wouldn't have seen otherwise. So um, I tossed those in there as well. So we'll talk about a couple of things related to that. But first, we're going to start out here with some of the, uh, the big news coming out of the recent Disney investor call. Um, yeah, the Disney investor call. Those are always fun. Um, I am, 
I mentioned earlier that I haven't been quite as plugged in lately. So um, I was not at the at the phase of my life where I was, um, you know, in my car listening to the Disney investor call on an audio stream, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> which mm-hmm. is where where I have been at previous points in my life. Um, and I'm sure I will be again. But um, this time I, I just read about it after the fact. How about you, Ryan? Did you uh, did you tune in to the Disney investor call? Yeah, I was not uh, tuned in to uh, Bob Chappick uh, <laughs> talking uh, through that. Um, I was kind of following. Um, there were a few people on my timeline, like tweeting it and retweeting um, stuff that was like being asked and talked about. Um, so I did. Uh, I did follow follow along, but like on Twitter with, you know, everything else. Sure, sure, sure. Um, I've never okay. actually listened to one of these. Now that I think about it, yeah, I've only done it once. It was in the lead up to um, the Rise of Skywalker, and um, I, people were convinced that quarter or whatever that there was going to be some big stuff announced um, on the call, and I can't remember if there was or not. I don't think so, but. Um, yeah, I want to say like one of them, Bob Iger was just like, hey, we're doing a Cassie Andor show, you know, just kind of set it out of nowhere or something mm. like that. So sometimes there's there's, uh, you know, big, big info will kind of just be casually mentioned in these meetings. So I think that's why people pay such close attention. Um, and of course, uh, you know, the one big Disney meeting where um, resistance hero Scott was uh, from St. Louis Um or in St. Louis anyways, went to that meeting and they showed rise of Skywalker footage and stuff. So, Oh yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so sometimes they can be pretty big deals. That's but, true, uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, anyways, here's some of the news from, uh, from this most recent, um, Disney investor call. The Disney plus service has surpassed 100 million global paid subscribers. So that's a lot. Um, mm-hmm. That's yeah, definitely a lot. Uh, I think I can't remember what the uh, what, what what the goal was for them, but it was um, considerably lower than that. Um, so they are kind of like smashing their own goals for subscribers for Disney Plus, and it is a big success, which um, is not surprising to me. Um, but uh, good news for them, and really the reason I bring it up is because uh, within the announcement that they have surpassed 100 million subscribers. They uh, stated that they've set a target of 100 plus new titles per year, including from, you know, Disney Animation, Disney Live Action, Marvel, Star Wars, and National Geographic. And um, they concluded that statement by saying, our direct-to-consumer business, which is Disney Plus, our direct-to-consumer business is the company's top priority and our robust pipeline of content will continue to fuel its growth. So a couple things there, uh, 100 plus new titles per year. That sounds like a whole lot, I think. Yeah, but I mean, when you consider it's like spread across all their, you know, different uh, brands, like it's probably like it's not like unreasonable um, when you factor in like, you know, they do like behind the scenes stuff and they do, you know, like National Geographic documentaries. It's not going to be like all like 
that means there's a hundred new Star Wars and Marvel shows. Um, but there's like, you know, probably like Disney and Pixar animated shorts and stuff like that, that like pops up and like live action movies for kids that like we've never even heard of. And, you know, that sort of thing. I th- I feel like that makes that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure Netflix has, you know, 100 new titles or something like that per year or probably more than that. Um, yeah. Really, who knows with with original movies and uh, and TV shows and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, no, I don't think it's like uh, an outrageous number or too surprising or anything, but, you know, kind of, um, you know, linked to that final statement there where they said that, you know, it's their number one priority or whatever. You know, it is kind of, um, I mean, I think we knew that we have known that and obviously COVID-19 has kind of necessitated that even if it wasn't, um, going to, I think it was already going to be their number one priority, but you mm-hmm. know, it absolutely is at this point, uh, in society. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I just think like the overwhelming success of Disney plus here means that they are, um, they're not going to be shy about green lighting and, uh, and going forward with new projects and stuff. And I mean, we already, we know about so many star Wars shows and projects that are coming to Disney plus that, you know, for the first couple years of this 100 new titles per year, you know, thing, uh, most of the star Wars stuff is kind of already spoken for, I would think, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like we already know about it. So I don't think it necessarily means, you know, uh, or they're going to rush five new Star Wars shows into production all of a sudden or anything like that. But I do think it means that, um, you know, uh, we can expect the trend to continue here of uh, lots of new Star Wars content coming to Disney Plus. Um, and we know, you know, we know about some big shows like uh, Andor and Obi-Wan and, uh, you know, the, uh, the the Mandalorian spinoff shows and all, all this great stuff, uh, the Acolyte that uh, we know is on the way. But, um, you know, one thing that, that I was hoping when I saw that 100 plus new titles comment was maybe we can get some more of the, the, um, I don't know, less blockbuster type content to Disney plus too, you know, so more of the like star Wars visions type projects, you know, Mm. um, we don't have a new star Wars animated show announced and it's been kind of a while since resisted ended. Uh, we have bad batch, but like, you know, we don't have anything new, beyond that so mm-hmm. i would love uh i would love to hear about some new star wars animation soon and you know i think um i think that's pretty likely considering this uh this 100 plus new titles you know promise and um and even more behind the scenes content things like that so you know uh i think they have been planning and they are planning on doing big disney plus content like you know, the shows that I mentioned, but, uh, like Andor and, you know, Obi-Wan and all that. But, uh, but I hope it means we get, um, you know, more behind the scenes, more, you know, specials, more maybe animation, um, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I think overall, this is like really good news. Um, you know, I think we, heck, can and do have complicated feelings about Disney as like a company as a whole, as a massive conglomerate, um, you know, while, you know, factoring in some of their business practices and some of the theme park stuff, like it's, you know, it's a little, um, there's some, uh, there's some issues there for sure. But I think, um, just as, you know, like content creators, I guess, um, 
you know, as a fan of a lot of their franchises, you know, even outside of Star Wars, um, this is really good news. Like, I mean, ultimately, I'm glad Disney Plus is successful and it continues to be, um, you know, despite everything. And um, I think the focus on high quality uh, shows and programming, I think, is what's really, um, you know, that's what really stands out to me. And that's what's going to kind of keep this going and keep this being successful is like, you know, taking the time to make something good before you release it and not just like, you know, I mean, Disney like has a history with their, um, you know, with their animated series of doing those like uh, those like straight to straight to video, straight to DVD uh, sequels that, uh, you know, are never as well regarded as the, um, you know, the original films that showed in theaters. And so I think they like kind of built a reputation for that, like over the years. And like those are you know, not always good. Um, you know, sometimes I'll, I will see someone be like, you know, Aladdin to the return of Jafar is like really good actually. (laughs) I'm like, okay. But, um, you know, uh, yeah, I think the focus on just like quality here is what's going to keep this exciting, especially for like Star Wars and Marvel fans. And what I really like about the success of Disney Plus so far is I would say probably the two kind of, um, I don't know, at least in my circles, but I think also in just like general, um, you know, in the general populace, like the two most successful shows um, on the service have not been sure things. The two most successful shows have been The Mandalorian, which you know, in in hindsight, we're like, yeah, The Mandalorian's huge and amazing. But like, no one was sure that it was going to work when it was, you know, initially announced. And it, mm-hmm. no one knew it was going to get as big as it did. And then right. more recently with WandaVision, like WandaVision felt like the most niche, like Marvel show you could possibly make at the start. And then, you know, by the end of it, it was what everyone was talking about. So, you know, there I like and that's I mean, they're two for two on that. It's not always going to be the case. They're going to release something and like people are going to be like, is this the next Mandalorian? Is this the next WandaVision? And it's not like that's, you know, that's not sustainable forever because you can't always predict the reactions. But I think the reactions to both of those shows were probably exceeded their expectations and they were both shows that were not the easy thing to do like you know they could have you know made you know uh a more surefire bet star wars show they could have made you know for the marvel stuff they could have made like you know the adventures of captain america and iron man or something and like something that was like a really sure thing but they went they went kind of weird on both of those and you know it paid off so that's what really gives me 
hope and, you know, excitement for the future. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it, it must be uh, pretty exciting to be a Marvel fan right now because, um, you know, WandaVision just wrapped up and then there's uh, a new show starting in a few weeks here, I think, isn't there? Uh, next um, week, Falcon next and week. Winter Soldier. Yeah, there it is. So, so yeah, um, I'm sure uh, sooner than later, we're going to end up in, in that kind of place with, with Star Wars stuff too, you know, probably in 2022 at some point where, you know, um, r- right now we're still doing that whole like kind of wait a year before or, or between Star Wars shows mm-hmm. sort of thing, you know, but, but uh obviously with the, the, the schedule they've announced, or I guess just the slate of shows they've announced, um, coming up here, I think we're going to, we're going to find ourselves in that place, um, you know, within a year or so. And, uh, I think the 100, you know, plus new titles a year commitment kind of suggests that that's the place they want to get to as well. You know, where we have pretty, pretty frequent, pretty regular star Wars, uh, content coming. So, you know, if we can have a, a handful of shows a year, um, the way it looks like Marvel is uh, is already gearing up to half. Um, that'll be great. I guess for Marvel fans, they you know in the first year of Disney Plus, they didn't really get uh, a show. You know what I mean? They yeah. they, they kind of had to wait the whole first year. So uh, or you guys did, I guess I should say, as since you're a big Marvel fan. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, had to wait that that whole time. Um, but now the the other side of that is <laughs> they've got more regular content on the way. So. Um, that's cool. But, uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to being in that position, um, as a star Wars fan. And and like you said, you know, I don't think, um, I'll, I'll necessarily really love every single show that comes out, but, uh, but it'll be, it'll be fun nonetheless. And, and I do think they have, uh, like you said to a pretty strong commitment to uh, good quality. They're not trying to pump out straight to, uh, straight to video or DVD, (laughs) um, style content here. So, uh, it is, it is exciting. Yeah, yeah. And like the benefit of, you know, just getting more and more consistent shows is we're just going to lose the pressure of like every Star Wars thing being the next big Star Wars thing that like people have to like ride or die on. Yeah. And like, because that's kind of where it is with, um, you know, the Marvel stuff like, um, WandaVision felt very much like a show for me and the kind of stuff I like in superhero stories and just like storytelling in general. Mm-hmm. Um, Falcon and Winter Soldier seems like a fun buddy action romp. Uh, like there's like some punching and some banter. Uh, not exactly my favorite thing. Um, you know, I, I'm sure it'll be entertaining and who knows? It could it could go places that are uh, more interesting. But just from like what I've seen from the trailers, like that doesn't seem like you know a hundred percent my jam. Even though I do like those characters and those actors a lot. Um, but yeah, it's not like. But then I know there's just going to be something else right after that. So even if it's like not my favorite thing, then I can just be like, okay, cool, moving on. It's not like that was the only Marvel thing I get. So. And it's going yeah. co- to like turn that way for um, for Star Wars soon. So like even if, you know, Bad Batch or Book of Boba Fett isn't like 100% our jams, like then like, I don't know, the Acolyte probably will be. So like that's still coming. And yeah, so I don't know. We'll uh, we'll see. 
Yeah, it's a good point. Um, although, Ryan, I have to say, uh, and I'm not even, you know, planning on watching the the winter uh what's it called? Falcon and Winter Soldier? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'm not I'm not planning on watching that show because uh that's just not, you know, something I'm too into either. But uh as you were describing it or, or describing the fact that it, it won't be like super, you know, your speed or whatever, I was I was almost hearing like us talking about the Mandalorian when it was first announced, you know, before before it came out and we watched <laughs> it, you know. So you never know. It, it might not true. be what you think it's gonna be, but then or it may not be what you think you want, but then um they could turn around and make something really great with it so yeah <laughs> when we were like that like boba fett cowboy show yeah, yeah. Like, I, I don't care about westerns i don't care about boba fett right i guess i'll watch it right uh, yep yeah, yep yeah. <laughs> oh, it rules yeah, yeah yeah so who knows yeah yep. um i mean uh, i think the uh the new marvel show the the winter soldier falcon show is probably more you know um I guess more, more uh, less expectation defying, you know what I mean? But uh, that's just from an outsider looking in because I don't really know much yeah. about it, but that's the impression I get. Yeah, it also, you never know. <laughs> yeah. You never know. It was funny to watch the WandaVision kind of reaction to, again, as somebody who's like on the outside and not following stuff too closely, but just kind of watching uh, reaction and stuff because I think that show got... Uh, a really positive uh, reaction, which is great. And, and, and uh, you know, I liked it um, way more than I probably will like most, you know, Marvel shows or whatever, or paid attention to it more than I will most Marvel shows or I don't know, whatever, however you want to put that. But it was it was definitely unique and interesting and cool. But um, it's funny because as the season went on, I started to see more like articles pop up and more kind of just comments here and there and, and more uh, m- more impressions suggesting like, oh, well, it started slow, but then it really got good. And it, and, you know, like, mm. like it, it became, it, you know, it, it, it was okay at the start, but it got better as it went along. And um, yeah, it was just like, oh, really? Because to me, it was so interesting and so like unique and different at the start. And then, you know, um, it kind of, I, I liked it all the way through and, and I think it was good, you know, but like mm-hmm. the the real spark that hooked me and made me think it was really interesting and worth watching was the fact that it was so different from, you know, the standard Marvel thing in, in the mm-hmm. beginning. And then it got closer to that as it, as it went on, you know? Yeah. Um, but anyway, I it just, you know, I guess it depends on what corner of the internet you pay attention to and, uh, you know, and, and whose impressions you're, you're following. Um, and that's true with Star Wars too, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> some mm-hmm. some people think star, certain Star Wars projects are, you know, the best thing ever, and and other people hate them. So I guess, um, you know, it's uh, it's most important just uh, to kind of develop your own tastes and ideas, and uh, and not not be too influenced by uh, all the chatter. I guess you'd say. So, all right, enough on all that. Let's uh, uh-huh. let's talk about. Uh, speaking of chatter, <laughs> let's let's mm-hmm. talk about uh, speaking the, of the uh, peanut gallery. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's talk about the uh, the comments on on Kathleen Kennedy, uh, Gina Carano, and the future of Lucasfilm from the uh, the investor call here. So um, you know, Ryan, I'm 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 mostly used to goofy questions from investors um, from Nintendo investor meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, those that's the, true. <laughs> those are the ones I follow more closely. Um, investors love to ask about things like uh, who who does the landscaping here because it looks really good. Uh, maybe I want to use that same landscaper <laughs> stuff yeah. like that. They ask uh, ridiculous questions sometimes. 
Um, and, uh, we, we got some, I, I don't know, um, maybe not ridiculous, but, uh, but, uh, I, I think, um, distasteful questions being asked here mm-hmm. during the, during the investor call. But anyway, um, some trashy questions. Yeah. Yeah. Some, yeah. uh, some like, I, like I'm sitting at a panel at a convention right now and some dude has just like made me cringe. So I'm like slumped down in my seat. Cause like, mm-hmm. I can't believe you're, this is your life kind of question. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Ryan, um, I, I actually know just what you mean. I've, I've been in those rooms before. I know, I know what you're talking about. I'm um, like, you know what? Co- I'm I'm so excited to go back to conventions, both like Star Wars and comic conventions. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I'm 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 getting older. We're all getting older. You know, our time. You know, especially you know, our time spent at these conventions is valuable. It's you know, can't go to as many as I used to, kind of thing. Um, I think like it was something I started kind of getting in the habit of. Um, as, uh, you know, a- after going to conventions for a while was when the Q and a starts, uh, just like getting up and leaving, um, just like, you know, ducking my head down, you know, walking out kind of thing. Um, that also includes, uh, starting to, you know, specifically choose, s- uh, spots to sit, um, that are, you know, close to like a, a door. And so I don't have to like walk in front of a bunch of people. And like, I did this more at, um, comic cons than, uh, than Star Wars celebration. Um, but yeah, I think that's just going to be, you know, the way going forward (laughs) just (laughs) with, um, yeah, just, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think I need to hang out for Q and A's in general anymore um and i'll you know i'll just have a better experience if i duck out sure 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 especially especially for the most mainstream panels at the at the convention the ones with the like the biggest stars and uh especially the ones with uh with female stars as well those are those are always the most awkward i was at uh a panel with um Seth Rollins and Alexa Bliss at a Comic Con in Chicago mm. a couple of years ago, mm. and uh, boy, there were some awkward and weird uh, exchanges there <laughs> during Ooh. that panel. So, yeah, um, I know what you mean, and, and of course, similar things at Star Wars Celebration over the years too. Although I love going to um, the smaller panels at Star Wars Celebration. Um, although, like lately, Star Wars Celebration has gotten so big that every panel is like sold out and packed um it, yeah. it feels like almost but a lot of times the the like more behind the scenes panels and things like that um are uh, uh you don't have quite as much of that or really any of that at all you know what i mean um True. the stuff that's more technical and more you know kind of rooted in in the actual filmmaking and stuff um it, you know that i would say stick around for those q and a's generally speaking those right. are those are usually yeah. pretty you know engaging and and uh, educational, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as long as you're not like, it's like it's the panels where people, um, where the panelists are people involved in like the creation of like the actual content. 
Mm. And that's when, I mean, you get like the questions of like, are you going to bring back this character? Which is always just like, (laughs) yeah, they're just going to like tell you that like right now, Um, which happens. That is like the comic (laughs) question where I'm just like, I have seen every single comic panel Q&A that's like imaginable at this point. Um, So, yeah, I don't need to, you know, be it be at those but then there's yeah then it, it it also just gets weirder and let's just get into some of the some of the weirder stuff that can happen yeah 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 so okay so one of the uh one of the comments or questions for ceo bob chapik was about gina carano um and so uh here here's the blurb um this is uh from hollywood reporter i think via jedinews.co.uk and we'll link to it in the show notes but uh, asked by a caller during the Q&A portion if Disney had a blacklist insinuating Carano by name was targeted for her conservative politics. Chappick responded that he does not see Disney as the left-leaning or right-leaning uh, and, and that Disney stands for values that are universal, values of respect, values of decency, values of integrity, and values of inclusion. And we seek to have the content that we make reflective of the rich diversity of the world we live in. And I think that's a world we should all live in harmony and peace um so you know it's weird i thought he was gonna for sure be like uh you know i view disney as a radical left wing um you know socialist uh (laughs) whatever um corporation um but no he he just responded that uh look um if you don't uh have kind of universally accepted values of decency and integrity (laughs) then that's a problem for us so um, I'm not really sure what this Q and A uh, or, or what this uh, what this caller expected would, would happen in response to this question, which is one mm-hmm. of the one of the key, one of the uh, key motifs of um, of Q and A's is that people yes. ask questions that there's no way in hell that the that the person uh, responding is actually going to answer, you know, in any way other than what's already out there. You know what I mean? And right. and they've already basically said all this, so. Uh, I don't know what they expected, but um, I think as far as like not adding fuel to the fire or, or, you know, not, uh, not kind of making matters more contentious or whatever, this is a a good response because, you know, it basically, um, it, it kind of, uh, disregards the, the sort of, I don't know, what would you say? Like red herring or, uh, you know, um, straw man uh, of the whole thing. And Mm -hmm. just says like, yeah, it's not about politics. It's not about the fact that she was conservative or a Trump supporter or like any, that's not the issue. The issue is the things that she was saying, the things that she was representing, uh, don't line up with our values. And, uh, you know, I guess he doesn't say this, but I interpret it or I, you know, I think the, the issue is that, um, she said those things repeatedly and it was a problem, you know, continually, consistently, Mm -hmm. and it wasn't getting any better and it wasn't going to get any better. So that, you know, this is what happens. Um, so yeah, I think it was a, uh, I think it was a very corporate, obviously, um, corporate speak kind of response, but I think the, the actual idea there is, uh, is good. You know, it's not about your political stance. It's about, uh, your values. And, and when you're about, when you're representing the company and your values are, uh, abhorrent that's the word they used um then that's not gonna work yeah um welcome to literally any workplace um yeah (laughs) pretty much um you know if you are um you know representing uh 
some, uh, you know, abhorrent values uh, publicly um, and you're tied to a workplace, um, you're going to get fired. Um, (laughs) I mean, just like, you know, we've talked about this um, privately, but, you know, you and I both know, like, as teachers, um, we need to be very careful about how we, um, you know, talk both at work and, um, you know, online and publicly. Um, because, like, yeah, obviously, like, if you say horrible stuff, like, you're going to get fired. And if that's, like, the message you use your platform to spread, like, yeah, that's what happens to, like, everyone. <laughs> it's not just, like, oh, you know, the uh, the left is targeting Gina Carano and Piers Morgan and stuff. It's, like, you know, just, it's, it's like, in any walk of life, there's, like, you know, certain expectations for, um, you know, just the way you present yourself in the world, and you're workplace has the right to uh you know hold people to that it's like part of people's contracts and it's part of like just a general social contract as well so right right yeah and and of course we you know we we kind of covered this in depth uh the uh the week that it all occurred um Mm -hmm. and, and kind of uh really you know dug into the into that issue and explored that and uh you know i think like it's all been out there. It's all been clear. Most of the world has moved on. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, I don't really know, um, what, what the, uh, the caller was hoping to, uh, to hear here, but, um, I suppose, you know, uh, it did happen recently and, uh, it's an actual thing that happened. And, uh, you know, um, maybe, maybe it makes a little more sense to ask for a comment on like, an event, a fact, a thing that's real. Um, the next question, uh, that we have kind of highlighted here, um, is, uh, just total fantasy. So that's fun. Um, (laughs) the, uh, the other question we wanted to touch on and and that is, uh, is, is mentioned in this article from, um, Jedi news is, uh, is, is the question about replacing Kathleen Kennedy. So, uh, that one is, uh, uh, the, the, synopsis here is asked at an investors conference call whether kennedy was being replaced bob chapik flatly dismissed the rumors stating we've been absolutely thrilled that we can have the kind of talent like kathleen kathy kennedy to direct lucasfilm we look forward to having kathleen kennedy running the lucasfilm organization for many years to come um so you know i think that question actually is even far stupider than the uh, gina Mm -hmm. prano one because there's zero reason to think that Kathleen Kennedy uh, is going to be replaced or be fired or anything like that, uh, unless you, um, you know, exclusively receive your news from YouTube, um, where uh, you know there's probably about a thousand new YouTube videos each day uh, being posted about Kathleen Kennedy being fired um, uh, for what about five years straight now. So mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure you know one of these days. Actually, I'm not sure it's never going to happen, but um, yeah, it's just like, wow, what a waste of time to ask that question mm-hmm. um, because there's no reason to think that would occur except for, you know, people completely outside of the system that have no direct knowledge of anything talking about it angrily on YouTube. Um, yep. <laughs> but uh, but the but the the good thing here is that, uh, you know, Chapek shot that down and said, no, we love her and uh, we're lucky to have her. 
And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad to see there that, uh, that he said, we look forward to having her running Lucasfilm for many years to come. Who knows what that actually means? Because, you know, um, I don't know how long her contract is for, or, you know, how long she'll want to stick around or want to keep doing that. But, um, uh, I would imagine that, uh, you know, they can sweeten the, sweeten the deal for her, sweeten the pot if they want to keep her around and, and kind of like, a, you know, really, uh, really incentivize her to, to keep, uh, running Lucasfilm. And, you know, of course I'm, I'm very happy with, uh, with the job she's done running Lucasfilm for the last 10 years or so. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I hope, I hope she'll be, I hope she'll stick around for, for a long while, which is, uh, you know, what the comment there says, what the, uh, yeah. what the statement says, you, you never know though, obviously, like mm-hmm. if that, that could mean two years or five years or, you know, and it's up to her too, right? Like it's, it's yeah. her decision if she wants to keep working there and running the company or not. But, uh, but I just think like George obviously made a very, um, you know, deliberate decision to, uh, to place her there. And, um, I think that, uh, she, she gets it. She understands Lucasfilm. She understands the the culture of Lucasfilm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as at least what it seems like it is, what I think it is, you know, being somebody who's never worked there, but, uh, but what I think they stand for, I think she gets it. And uh, I think she's been a, a great steward of all thing, uh, all things Star Wars. So um, I'll be nervous whenever she does leave, you know what I mean? And, and somebody else takes over. So, uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm happy about this comment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think she's, uh, we've, you know, gotten some amazing Star Wars stuff. We've gotten Star Wars stuff. We've gotten consistent Star Wars projects, um, you know, since, you know, the uh, since she's been there. And I think like even with the many, many kind of like bumps in the road um, and challenges that they have faced um, because it's, you know, it's been an exciting. um, What are we at? Five years six years going on six years since you know um since of force awakens force awakens yeah oh yeah um mm-hmm. yeah it's uh you know there's been some uh definite challenges um so many <laughs> challenges but um you know i think uh she's led the company so well through all of that and the fact that we've still managed to get consistent star Wars releases, um, throughout her tenure so far and like stuff still just happens. Um, you know, despite everything, um, I think that's just a testament to like how good of a job she's done. And, um, you know, like ever, everyone has their own opinions on, um, you know, which stuff they, like more or less um but it's like it's all like undeniably star wars um and so like they've managed to like capture the the really challenging thing that is star wars and just release it consistently um you know with uh with the kind of like budget and talent that the franchise deserves and so like even you know, even Star Wars stuff that, you know, some of us may not like, um, it's still Star Wars, like it still feels like Star Wars, and it doesn't feel like we're like completely off the rails. So yeah, I think it's like a huge testament to her like, leadership and her focus on 
um, you know, just like the core of the franchise that has, uh, you know, weathered some of those uh, challenging storms and got us just consistent Star Wars, you know, for the last six years and for the foreseeable future. So, yeah, mm-hmm. of course, like I'm really, you know, looking forward to the next few years. And, um, you know, I'd say so far her uh, her tenure has been a massive success. Oh, yeah, I think so, for sure. Uh, and you know what? Financially, it's been an enormous success, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, as much as people want to post YouTube videos being like, Solo failed, they hate her. Or, you know, like, oh, well, she started a project and then had to change a director or, you know, whatever these things are that, like, people live in fantasy land and think that stuff doesn't happen or isn't going to happen or whatever. It's like, yeah, you know, I'm sure it would be um, it would be preferred you know, or it would be like in an an ideal world, like less of that stuff would happen. Um, or, you know, especially to probably less of it would get out, I guess, because I think that stuff happens anyway. It's just a question of how much like people on the outside know about it. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and since people pay such close attention to star Wars, it's like, yeah, well we, we end up like finding out about a lot of that stuff or even just paying attention to a lot of that stuff where, you know, with other movies, people don't really do that um, to that degree. But but no, they've made a ton of money. You know what I mean? Like they've made a ton of money. They've had like most of their projects have, I would argue all of their projects have been successful um, on one level or another. You know what I mean? As you said, there, there's some that people like more than others. And it depends on who you talk to, obviously, and stuff like that. But like, you know, what the, the biggest, uh, failure i guess if you had to say would be solo which is a movie that you know didn't quite you know make back its box office i guess probably um but uh you know and and obviously had a a tumultuous uh you know production you know process or whatever but at the end of the day like i don't know like ron howard made a star wars movie um and uh you know it's one that people are clamoring like there's a whole big you know chunk of the of the fandom that's like begging for more you -hmm. know from from that uh that that project or or those actors and and those characters Mm -hmm. and stuff like that and you know like at the end of the day i i just feel like even that the biggest failure they've had in star wars since you know in this new era of lucasfilm is like really like uh, pretty close to being a financial success. And I think creatively is a success. And, uh, you know, if you look at what they've made, what five star Wars movies, um, in their tenure or in her tenure. And, uh, you know, if you look at how much they've made overall, it's a huge amount of money and, uh, they've done one TV show and it was a cultural phenomenon, you know, Mm -hmm. and, uh, people are talking about star Wars nonstop, like more than, you know, ever almost. So yeah, I just think it's been, it's been super successful. I appreciate that she's pissed off the right people in my opinion. You know what I mean? (laughs) I I appreciate the eye for talent that she has too. you know, I mean like one of the reasons, like one one of the biggest reasons I'm like, please don't go anywhere for a little while is uh, I just want like the Ryan Johnson (laughs) thing to happen. And I think that, you know, she's the one who brought him in and, and, and they had a great uh, relationship working together. So I don't know. I just think she's, we, 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 and I was going to say we could do a whole show about how great Kathleen Kennedy is. I think we have done shows about mm-hmm. <laughs> specifically devoted to Kathleen Kennedy. So I don't know. I love her and I'm, I'm glad that, uh, glad that she's, uh, she's going to be around for a while. Yep. All right. Let's talk about, uh, <laughs> we just got done being like, oh, they're running the company so well. Everything's great. Um, yeah. <laughs> and at the end of the day, I don't actually think this is that big of a deal, but, uh, doomsday prophesizers, I don't know how you say that word. Prophesiers, uh, doomsday prophesiers would, uh, would probably, uh, you know, make a mountain out of a molehill, 
molehill here, but uh, we had a couple of Mandalorian tie-in book cancellations this week. Mm. Um, yeah, announced on March 9th and with um, identical almost wording. Uh, Del Rey Rey said, hey, due to the ever-expanding world of The Mandalorian, we will no longer be publishing The Mandalorian original novel at this time as the story continues to unfold on screen. Um, And then they also said that they are, uh, they love the author, Adam Christopher, and they're already working with him on a different book. So that was nice because I think it, uh, just in case anyone was wondering, you know, like, was it something to do with the author? They clarified no. Mm -hmm. So that was good. And then DK Books, um, Moments later, made an almost exactly the same announcement by uh, stating, due to the ever-expanding world of The Mandalorian, we will no longer be publishing The Mandalorian Ultimate Visual Guide at this time as the story continues to unfold on screen. So those books aren't happening. What do you think about this whole due to the ever-expanding world of as the story continues to unfold on screen thing, Ryan? Yeah, this is interesting. Um, I think it could be a few different things. Um I think my first, because um, we saw the novel um, canceled first. And so my first thoughts were, oh, maybe they're changing the direction of the story. And what this novel would have been is not in line with the story direction change. Um, Because Mm -hmm. I think there's, um, you know probably a lot of pre-production happening on season three of the Mandalorian. And it's obviously going to be very different than what we've seen before. Just, you know, at least initially um, going off of just how season two ended. So um, that was my first thought. But then, um, then we get to the DK book cancellation, which that's where I think it gets more curious. Um, and it, that's, that's kind of weird. I don't know if we've ever had like one of these, like, you know, kind of innocuous DK, um, you know, visual dictionaries. And it was a, it was a Pablo Hidalgo joint too, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we've ever had one of these like canceled. Um, right. so that's where, that's where it gets a little weirder to me. Um, and so I'm just wondering if it's there, they are, maybe it's because there's story beats that are just taking a different direction. And like, we can't say, you know, we can't release a visual dictionary where, where we say this thing is this because in season three, it's going to be something different mm-hmm. um, kind of thing um, because maybe there's been like a dramatic, you know, shift um, in the, you know, the, the story, or it's just like they, um, you know, don't, they're trying to figure out how they're going to address um, like Cara Dune stuff mm. going forward. Um, feels like it could be a factor. Um, but those are really kind of the only things I can really think. Like, what are your thoughts on this? Well, uh, we should note that um, insiders or a source from Lucasfilm Publishing or whatever uh, told one of these outlets, I think The Hollywood Reporter, 
Um, although I don't remember now for sure that it, it's not because of the Cara Dune thing, but, uh, okay. but you know, I mean like it wasn't a named source, it wasn't an official statement and you know, who knows what to make of, of all that kind of thing, right? What are they going to do? They're not going to say that it was, you know what I mean? So if somebody mm-hmm. asks them, they'll probably say it wasn't. So I don't know. But, um, but with the Cara Dune thing, like for instance, with the visual dictionary, like, I mean, how many, like, I, I always read all these, you know, visual guides and, and stuff like that. Like how many pages would she have gotten? Two, three, four pages. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it just doesn't seem like a reason to cancel a book. Mm-hmm. Um, a novel, on the other hand, I could see a little more, you know, where it's like, oh, if she featured a lot in the novel, maybe they would, they would, you know, just cancel the book because they just don't want people talking about and, you know, just want to kind of put that behind them as quickly as they can. Um, I could kind of see that. Or if it but, was setting her up to do something big in, you know, season three, because sometimes these novels are to set characters up for something, you know, in well, an upcoming film project. So that's true. That's true. Although I feel like this book was probably already written like a year ago or something, because it was initially supposed to come out like last year, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and then they delayed it like a whole year, which makes me think the book was probably written, which makes me think there would have been ample time to kind of like revise and change that aspect of it. You know what I mean? Um, so True. again, who knows? Cause I'm not, you know, I have no idea. I'm just kind of mm-hmm. pondering aloud, I suppose you'd say, but then I wonder, especially with, you know, the visual dictionary, ultimate visual guide, whatever it was called. I wonder if it's a situation where, cause they say, Oh, due to the ever expanding world of, and, uh, you know, that makes me think of all these spinoff shows. And it makes me think that like, the vision for what they're doing here is just bigger than it was before. Um, and they're doing more than they were before. I just wonder if it's a situation where, uh, the filmmakers, uh, storytellers, whatever you want to say, just don't want to close the door on storytelling possibilities or create like potential conflicts there. Um, when they don't really have a good reason to, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm. I guess like, you know, the whole point of like these visual dictionary, visual guides or whatever is to like kind of answer questions and define like lore around all this different stuff. But, you know, if they're looking at it and they're thinking, well, actually before where we were thinking we were going to make one or two more seasons of the Mandalorian. Now we're thinking we're making three spinoff shows that are all mm-hmm. going to feed into this, you know, these next se- se- seasons of the Mandalorian. And uh, we're going to do things with characters that we maybe didn't know we were going to do before. And I just, I don't know. I feel like if you would have asked like JJ Abrams or Ryan Johnson or any of those, those filmmakers like, Hey, you know, would you prefer to not have a book out there <laughs> that, that <laughs> like is trying to like fill in gaps, you know, within your movie and, and all that stuff. Like I, I would imagine that the answer would be, yeah, we'd prefer not to have that because it just, you know, kind of, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I suppose if you're just making one movie like Rogue One or whatever, it's like, okay, that's fine. You know what I mean? Whatever. You can you can make the visual guide that explains all these different little components and stuff. But, you know, if you're trying to make an ongoing show, uh, I would imagine that you just want the show to speak for itself to a large degree, you know? Yeah. So I, I just wonder if it's that kind of thing where it's like, hey, we have this whole Lucasfilm publishing arm. What do we do? We we make books that support, you know, <laughs> the, the other stuff happening. But... Uh, I'm sure the company likes to do that. I'm sure the the authors of those books like to do that. I know as fans, we like to have that content, but mm-hmm. I bet the people making the shows 
have a more complicated relationship with that stuff yeah. because then all of a sudden you got people saying, well, in the visual dictionary, it said this. And then, you know, so you can't do that anymore mm-hmm. or whatever. So I just wonder if it's something like that. Um, I don't know. But that's been like, that's, that's just always been a thing with star Wars and like, you know, n- no one has ever had the pull to be, I mean, even like, George Lucas lost control of his own creation through the EU and like no one has ever been able to stop that. So do you really think that like John Favreau could be like, yeah, no books and like, and they're like, okay. Uh, no, I mean, well, I mean, to a degree, I guess, you know, you say George Lucas lost control of his own universe or whatever, but, uh, you know, with his own blessing, he lost control of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it was like, it was making lots of money for Lucasfilm and he always disregarded it anyway. So he was like, <laughs> sure, do whatever you want. Like it's making me money, you know? Um, yeah. and, 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 you know, like, okay, well, Ryan Johnson was not able to tell them, Hey, don't do this. But first off, he probably wouldn't have done that anyway, or didn't no. want to do that. But you know what I mean? Like it, um, even if he had tried or whatever, uh, it's like, well, you're just making this movie and then you're going to go off and live your life. And like, you know, it's like a, you're like a guest in a guest role or something when you come in to direct a Star Wars movie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. In this era of of, of storytelling anyway. Um, mm-hmm. But like, it's a little different with John Favreau right now because it's, you know, I'm doing the Mandalorian, but now I'm also doing like three other shows for you. You know what I mean? And I have this like little corner of Star Wars storytelling that I'm kind of overseeing along with Dave Filoni and uh, don't box us in. You know what I mean? Like, and, and it's not like you can't do books, but it's just like, is now the time to do books? Because we're still developing all this stuff. And so we don't want you to pre-develop the story for this character while we're still figuring it out on screen. You know what I mean? And, and I, I, I don't think it would necessarily be a, Hey, you can't do this. It might be a, is this really the right thing to do or should we hold off on this? And I, I could see, you know, Lucasfilm being reasonable and being like, okay, maybe that's a good call, you know? Um, and, and like with the ultimate visual guide or whatever that Pablo Hidalgo wrote, I'm sure that book comes back eventually, you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. In some form or another, uh, but, uh, but yeah, I don't know. That's just, that, that's, I have no idea if that's what happened or not, but that's just kind of where my speculation or kind of logic goes is, uh, I just think of the perspective of the person or the people, the creative team making the actual show, um, and, and, and the relationship they might have with this stuff. And, um, because they weren't, you know, they were clear in their statement, like, here's why we're doing it because the show is ever expanding. You know, the universe of the show is ever expanding. Like because stuff is still being written because stuff is still being developed and created is how I interpret that. You know, that's why we're not doing this because other stuff is, is still, or like the story is actually still being told. So, um, Mm -hmm. I think when you have, cause this, this is supporting media, right? You hire Adam Christopher to write this novel because you want to, promote the tv show you know you hire pablo hidalgo to do the visual guide because you want to promote the tv show um and I, I i mean i i hope that's not controversial but i think that's honestly what it is you know what i mean um not every star wars book or novel is like that but i think when you have like a uh, catalyst rogue one catalyst right like that mm-hmm. book was to promote the movie that's why they did it you know and and it's a great book it's one of my favorite star wars books and it like mm-hmm. it's a i think artistically it's a 
total success, but yep. it, it exists because they wanted to promote the movie Rogue One, you know? And if that book was going to get in the way of <laughs> the story of Rogue One, they would have canceled it. You know what I mean? Um, and so I, I think like, that's just where my head goes with this. It's like the reason for these books to exist is to promote the Mandalorian and to kind of like excite people about the Mandalorian. But if that comes at the expense of like making it more difficult to actually tell the story of the show, then let's not do it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think yes, part, a huge part of it is the promotion piece, but an, another huge part of it is to contextualize things like thinking specifically about catalyst and rogue one. Like you, you know, you got, more backstory so you could like understand more about like the ursos and stuff in that book and that was like really welcome uh you know to uh you know to fans and to readers and it like you know it enhanced the viewing experience Mm -hmm. so if something is like not going to you know there's there's other ways they can promote the TV show The Mandalorian. Like it's not like books are yeah. at the end be all end all. But um if you know if it's like if in Adam Christopher's book, I think another possibility is like they're like actually some of the stuff we want to do on screen mm-hmm. um I think is like you know I or like eh, we wanna yes, we want this to be there, but we want it a little bit different. And, you know, maybe we're going to just address it in the show um, kind of thing. Um, So that uh, totally makes sense. The visual dictionary is still weird to me, though, (laughs) because we've also had visual dictionaries that have come out and kind of contradicted things because things have changed um, and things don't really line up perfectly across the visual dictionary to like the film. Um, so I don't um I I just I don't understand that one as well because like yeah. I'm also like I think Star Wars fans are fine with like oh this you know this blaster rifle or whatever is you know looks different on screen or I don't know or like this character like we don't actually even see them in the show like that those kind of things like those are like normal things for people who have been reading the visual dictionary. And we're like, huh, that's funny. Star Wars isn't real. And then like we move on. (laughs) But so Mm. like, that's just like what could have been so, you know, challenging about the visual dictionary here that like that can't be released. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, yeah, I don't know about that. Um, I mean, you're right. There are inconsistencies sometimes, um, in the visual dictionaries and, uh, it's not in my mind, it's not that big of a deal. Um, and I, you know, I, you see some, you know, uh, fanfare, I guess, or, uh, whatever from, from the star Wars community, but not too much around that stuff. So, um, it does seem like, you know, uh, it does seem like a, a, a solvable problem, I guess you'd say. Uh, but, but like I said, though, I think that they'll still do the visual guide. It'll just be down the road. You know what I mean? Um, when things are more solidified. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, 
I'm not sure what specifically, you know, how much of the content of the visual guide would have been, um, you know, a problem for the, for the filmmakers, the storytellers or, or whatever, but, or if that was the case, but, um, I just can't, I don't know. I don't know what other reason there would be, you know what I mean? Yeah. To, uh, to hold it back except for, we just don't want to define, um, answers or definitions i guess define definitions that's a little redundant <laughs> but you know we don't want to we don't want to define this stuff um you know put the the cart before the horse kind of thing you know let's just like let's define it on screen and then come back and, and make a visual guide about it you know instead of uh instead of getting ahead of ourselves and so like if it's like naming blaster rifles and stuff like that like sure you could mm-hmm. do that but as soon as you start getting into characters um, mm-hmm. it's either going to be all fluff and no real substantive, you know, content, or mm-hmm. you have to start, you know, expanding on what we know about the characters and maybe the filmmakers, um, or the company, maybe it's the company, I don't know, whoever, but maybe mm-hmm. the decision was made, like, we're going to let the actual shows expand on the characters in the universe and then come back and make a book about it instead of, of, you know, making the book first. And we, we have never had, I mean, I know we've had like the, the, film series right so if you put out the force awakens visual guide you are in some ways you know kind of having the same problem because there's still two more movies to go but uh Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. is i even think this is different because you've got three different i think what three different spinoff shows two three three different spinoff shows in development plus more seasons of this show it's just a lot of things to juggle and a lot of interweaving and uh you know different story threads and characters and things like that and uh yeah, it just seems like that's even more to keep track of and not kind of step on each other's toes um, than it is when you make the first of a three movie series. You know what I mean? So I, th- I think it does seem more complicated, actually, when you think of it that way. You're going to have characters that come in and out of these three different shows that all feed back into this one larger show. Um and you're going to start defining things in books like before those shows are even made and then, mm-hmm. you know, have to keep that story straight and everything. I think, you know, from that perspective, maybe it just makes sense to hold off, you know? Yeah. Or maybe Dave Filoni is like when Mando season three comes back, everyone is just going to refer to Grogu as Jeff. So <laughs> anything that like contradicts that, like we we can you just like make this go away? Because that's just what's going to happen. He's Jeff now. Yeah, with a G though, right? Like a G E G E O F F. Yeah, like Jeffrey from Toys R Us. Yeah, yeah. Or, or I don't know if I don't know if there's like a a space uh, spelling of of Jeff or not. You know, but G G E apostrophe O F F. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. turn our attention to the sequel trilogy which uh is behind us in some ways and uh never behind us in others um ryan we uh we talked uh previously about the the interview with ryan johnson from um this author sarah or saraya wilson not sure how to Uh pronounce her name 
Um, yeah. And uh, there was another little excerpt here earlier <laughs> this month. The two month long interview with Ryan Johnson. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't really know how this whole thing works exactly. She did a video interview with him, but I don't think the video is available anywhere. So she's just kind of like releasing, I don't know, comments from it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, periodically. Yeah. Um, just like a tweet a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, modern interviewing. Uh huh. Uh huh. But, uh, you know, because I'm so interested in Ryan Johnson and, and um, you know, his perspective on Star Wars, um, I, I find it really fascinating. So she asked him, did you know that Ben was, and, and we'll link to the tweets, of course, but she asked him, uh, did you know that Ben was going to die when you were making The Last Jedi? Did you know that from the beginning? Ryan says, no, I did not know. Um, then she adds uh, her commentary where she says she's irritated because she realized that uh, killing Ben Solo was not always the plan. Um, and then, uh, she goes on, uh, and says, uh, I told him a lot of, uh, feelings about that ending, um, for Ben Solo and the rise of Skywalker, of course, and then showed him my Ben Solo deserve better t-shirt, which made him laugh more. <laughs> um, he, he explained that it was very much a full handoff between seven and eight mm-hmm. and just as it was from eight to nine. Um, and, uh, then Ryan went on to say he did his best to tee up a bunch of things and tried to bring eight to a point where there were a lot of places the story could go. He didn't want to be unfair to the next director and leave a lot of possibilities. He wasn't trying for a specific outcome for the end of the series, but to have a lot of dramatic potential for nine. Uh, he answered my question again by saying he didn't know whether Kylo would live or die, then quickly corrected himself to say he didn't know whether Ben would live or die and how the series would resolve. Um, so yeah, I just, I, I find that, uh, I find that whole exchange pretty interesting, um, just mm-hmm. from the perspective of like how the sequels were made. Of course, the, uh, yep. the Ben Solo living and dying question is, um, is, uh, pretty compelling also and pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. And obviously people have really strong feelings about that, but, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know what's your, what's your response or, um, kind of feelings on, on that conversation, Ryan? Yeah. I mean, I think we're kind of far enough removed from the sequel trilogy now where I can just be like, huh, that's just really interesting the way these were made (laughs) and Mm -hmm. like that this is that it was like full handoffs. Mm -hmm. Um, That's uh, it's, it's just interesting. Um, I think ultimately it's probably not the best approach to uh, making a trilogy of Star Wars films um, Mm -hmm. in hindsight. Mm -hmm. Um, I think in some ways it got us some interesting results. Um, I mean, I think, you know, the, the move from force awakens to the last Jedi, I think is fascinating. Um, But, you know, I think in some ways the, the weight of those decisions and like the buildup of decisions and mysteries and everything um, kind of, you know, uh, made, as I've said a million times on this podcast, made The Rise of Skywalker an impossible movie to get right. Um, And so, yeah, I think um, it's I, I think there's probably a lot of learning from uh you know that's happened 
you know, within Lucasfilm um, around this method of um, filmmaking and, you know, making a trilogy. I think um, the next trilogy is not going to be made this way. I would be really shocked um, if it was. And um, but yeah, I think I can just kind of like look at it now and be like, I mean, for one, well, obviously, like mm-hmm. this is what happened. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, uh, too, like it's just, um, you know, that was an interesting experiment. Um, but uh, yeah, maybe maybe let's do it differently next time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you know, I, I take Ryan at his word on, on what he says here. Um, although yeah. I think you, you always have to kind of wonder, like, look, he's not he's not going into any interview or any conversation looking to, like, I don't know, cause a controversy or piss people off or, like, cause trouble with Lucasfilm or whatever. So, you know, I mean, I could see I think he's being honest here, but I could also see a situation where, like, if he did have a different feeling when he was making the last Jedi or whatever, he's not going to like say it now. You know what I mean? And just like, kind of, I I don't know. Like, let's say he was like, Oh hell no. Like no way was Ben Solo going to die. If I made episode nine, like you're not going to say that in the interview. You know what I mean? Um, because it's just like, it's, it's like essentially saying like, well, the people that made the movie after me did it wrong. You know what I mean? And I just don't see him saying that even if he thought that. Um, but I, at the same time, I think that, what he says here is true because you know, if you're making episode eight and you're as smart and thoughtful um, as Ryan Johnson, I just like, I don't see you being like, okay, well I'm not making the next movie, but I'm going to make this one as if I know exactly what's going to happen in the next movie or something. Cause I don't think that makes any sense either. You know, like mm-hmm. I don't think he ever wanted to make episode nine. Um, I mean, maybe when he was like almost done making episode eight, maybe he would have been like, Oh, I kind of, maybe I would have liked to have made nine, you know, in the same way that, uh, JJ Abrams says like when he was <laughs> reading Ryan Johnson's script for episode eight, he was like, damn, the script's really good. I wish I was making this movie, you know, like I'm mm-hmm. sure there's a little bit of that kind of thing. Um, but, but other than that, I think he's just like, he's telling his story. He is a storyteller. I think a consummate, like really excellent storyteller. And, uh, and, and because of that, I just like, I don't think he would be like, I'm Ryan Johnson. I have like my vision for these characters and next guy better come in and like do exactly what I've always had in mind for these characters because you know, that's what I thought or whatever. I just don't, I don't know. I think he would have been really focused on making the movie he was making. Um, and as he says, like, you know, have this middle chapter end with dramatic potential, um, and dramatic potential, I think means, you know, not a defined outcome, but possibilities. And so I think that's where it was, you know, where it was left by him. And, uh, that just makes sense. So, but, but as you said, it's interesting to like really think about and, and kind of, um, hear him talk about that, that process a little bit. Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right, cool. So that's one, uh, kind of sequel trilogy conversation. Uh, this one I find really interesting. Um, so, uh, this is like a, a thread of tweets, um, uh, about, uh, Jonas Soatamo's, um, book. I guess he's got a book. Uh, yeah, he's got a book of some kind. <laughs> um, yeah. and it's, uh, I don't know much it's, about it. It's in Finnish. <laughs> yeah. It's called roar. My life is a Wookiee. Um, yeah. so I don't know if that's coming to, it's going to be published in English or what, um, I hadn't really heard about this, but um, we've got a great 
thread of tweets. Um, the, the cover is amazing, by the way. It is pretty good. Yeah. yeah. I don't I don't know if it's licensed. Just looking at the cover. Well, I mean, I don't think it would be, you know, like I don't think because it's about um, his life, right? Yeah, that's true. Like it's kind of his uh, like a little it's like an autobiography, but it's like maybe um it, it looks like it's like maybe for kids. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, like the yeah. the fonts and stuff kind of make it look yeah. like maybe it is more of like a a book for kids, but I I don't know for sure. Um so, yeah, I I don't know. But uh but there's there's some interesting insights into uh <laughs> some different uh different scenes and different uh you know the filmmaking process uh for these different star wars movies he was in the one that i thought was really interesting ryan is the one about the torture scene from the rise of skywalker which is in the art of the rise of skywalker book Mm -hmm. um and uh the comment here is that the scene was very tough for Jonas to film and that Adam driver was truly sociopathic in the role. And Jonas wonders if the scene came out too extreme for star Wars, or if it didn't fit to show Kylo hit so dark before turning light later in the film. Um, and it's just makes me want to see that scene so bad. (laughs) It just makes me really want to see it. Um, and it kind of drives me crazy how they, like when they put out the movies, they put out some of the deleted scenes and not others. And uh, they kind of vault a lot of this stuff. So I think sometime in my lifetime, hopefully I'll, I'll see this scene between <laughs> uh, Kylo Ren and, and, and Chewbacca. But uh, I, I wish it was now and not, you know, on some 10th or 20th anniversary release or whatever it'll be when maybe they finally put that out. Yeah, yeah. Um I don't know. It's uh it sounds interesting. Um yeah, I can't really, you know, I think um you know, people have different you know, interpretations of like what is, you know, kind of going too far for Star Wars or like what, you know, makes sense and doesn't make sense with a character. So, I think I would just need to like actually watch it and form my own opinion on it mm-hmm. um to see if it fits but um yeah i don't yeah I don't and, know. and but but i mean the, the great thing about deleted scenes especially when you watch them as deleted scenes is like um i i just want to see it as a bonus you know what i mean i i don't like it it might not work at all or fit at all you know which is why it's not in the movie but like i still want to see it because like i'm just excited about the idea of like adam driver like going buck on the scene and just like really like <laughs> you know what i mean because he's such an amazing actor and he's so good at just being intense that like yep. there's just so much dramatic potential in the idea of you know kylo ren torturing or or you know whatever having this like super intense interaction with chewbacca who was like his big brother slash mentor figure slash you know stepdad whatever <laughs> type like character <laughs> early in his life like it's just so so interesting and like Chewbacca is such a sympathetic character too that it would be, man, it's just a lot of dramatic potential there, you know. So that's true, uh, yeah. That would be amazing to see outside of the context of the movie. You know what I mean? And and of course, like when you watch a scene, it would be like, oh, maybe that would be great to because sometimes you watch a deleted scene and you're like, oh my god, I can't believe you didn't leave this in the movie. You know? Yeah. Um, 
but other times they can just exist and be really interesting um, as an independent kind of thing. So either way, I just, yeah, really want to really want to see this. And like, there are some cool deleted scenes or whatever, I guess. Are there deleted scenes now that I say that? I'm trying to think if there are even deleted scenes on, in, from The Rise of Skywalker. I don't know if there are uh, on the Blu-ray. Uh, I don't know. I'd have to look that up. But anyway, um, yeah, because we didn't... I don't think there's a commentary either, right? I don't know. I guess I should have uh, looked into this before we started talking about it. But I want yeah. more uh, I want more, um, more, more bonus content for all the Star Wars movies, um, including yeah. that one. So, yeah. Um, I don't... Now that I'm thinking about, was this scene, was this in the novel at all? Hmm. I don't remember that now either. I don't remember either. I don't. I, re- I read that book, but I yeah, don't yeah, no, me remember. too. So I read it and I liked it, but I I don't remember that. Um. Hmm. Wow. What yeah. does this mean? I don't know. Uh, I'm looking at another tweet. Dev Patel was second to John Boyega over the role of Finn. I saw that. Yeah, that's interesting. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. Huh. All right. Well, um, yeah, lots of news there. Um, some kind of older news, but but things that uh, that I had missed and, and wanted to return to. So um, that's uh, that's going to do it for that section of the show. Before we wrap up, though, we're going to talk uh, just a little bit about the recent High Republic comics releases. We'll start with the Marvel High Republic issue number three, um, which we've both read. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, Ryan, why you want to kind of. Um, share your thoughts on on issue three here yeah i mean i think it's just uh this book is really tight and consistent um and it's just continuing to be that way um i think there's you know they're telling a really cool story here i think the art is just consistently good in this book um you know it's uh the the art is really good um in this book because there's i can like i don't even have the book in front of me but like i'm already like kind of flashing back to some of like the full page um you know s- spreads like the the page well i guess spoil well I, yeah i won't even be specific but um there's just some like really cool um you know full page art that's uh dramatic and um just you know, super great looking. I think there's like a general sense of tension um, in this book that is um, kind of maintained throughout. And I think it ends on, um, you know, a pretty uh, unsurprising, but, um, you know, potentially cool um, uh, cliffhanger. Yeah. Yeah. I can see where probably what, like the first maybe five, six issues of, uh, the series are going to kind of, um, you know, one of the primary conflicts is going to be the whole, uh, skier thing, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I don't know where, where things will go with that character after that, but it does kind of feel like we're about halfway through a story arc, you know, kind of focused on that among other things, but, uh, but kind of focused on that. 
Um, and, uh, I'm definitely, uh, pretty engaged with that, pretty interested to see where that'll go. So, um, I think that's, that's one of the things that's keeping me kind of, um, invested and interested in, in, in this, uh, this comic right now, uh, I echo what you said about the art as well. Cause, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really impressed with the art in this comic and, uh, both the Phil Noto covers and, uh, also mm-hmm. the interior art. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's great. And, uh, we've got some, uh, I don't know if you've read the other high Republic stuff. Uh, we have some returning villains, um, as well in this issue. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, uh, it's tying in very nicely and, and continues to be, uh, continues to be really good. So I guess, you know, we won't say too much more cause I'm sure not everybody is uh, caught up on, on reading high Republic comics that wants to be, you know? So, um, but if you're, if you're curious, if you've been reading some high Republic stuff and you're, you're not, uh, you're not, you know, picking up the comics yet. Uh, I, yeah, I think the Marvel series so far is, uh, definitely really good and, and, uh, worth paying attention to. Yeah. And I say that as somebody who's not paying attention to really any of the other star Wars, uh, Marvel comics happening right now. Mm. So, I'm not going to just tell you to to read all Marvel Star Wars stuff. I mean, you know, if you're a big comic fan, go for it. But uh, mm-hmm. as somebody who's uh, a little more choosy with which comics I read, um, I think the High Republic one is uh, definitely one to to follow right now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I'm actually not even reading all the Marvel Star Wars books currently. Yeah, yeah. It's a sad place to be, but um, well, there's a lot of them. <laughs> there's there's so. a lot, and we're just we're hitting a lot of redundancy, um, yeah, in in the book. So, like, I'll I'll read stuff on as it comes to Marvel Unlimited, but um, except one of the series. There's one series I really just don't like. Mm. I don't know. If, I don't know if I initials B H. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one to, I to just, protect. I, do, uh... I have read like five issues of that, and I just. I don't know, man. That is not for me. It is like one of the most not for me Star Wars things we've gotten of this Disney era. I do not like Bounty Hunters. I'm sorry. And I know like some people really like it. And some people really like this like weird Terminator dude who's in it. But man, I have like really tried with that series. (laughs) And I cannot. Who writes that one? Uh, I think it's Ethan Sachs. Okay. Okay. It's not Charles Soule. He's doing the Boba Fett one coming up, right? Yeah. Not and he does, okay. the, he does the, um, uh, he does the Star Wars. The mainline one. Star Wars? Yeah, gotcha. the mainline one. Yeah, it's, it's Ethan Sachs. Okay. So. All right. But, uh, yeah, not my, not my thing. Okay. Um, well, uh, real quick then, I will, uh, just give a, I guess, a, a brief update on IDW, High mm. Republic Adventures. Um, issue two came out um, about a week and a half ago. And so I have that, Ryan. You haven't been able to get out to pick up your copy of that yet, right? So, yeah, um, no, I've been out. So here's what happened. Here's some uh, comic shop, uh, some comic shop news. Okay. Here. Right. Um, so this month, um, DC is doing. Um, this event called Future State. Um, and it's basically, it's like kind of like a soft reboot where the books start over with like new creative teams and new storylines and stuff. So um, 
So some of the DC books I was reading like now have new writers and artists on them. So that means some of the books um, I'm not, you know, some of the like long running series, like I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not going to be following because I'm just less interested in like the writer and artist teams. And then there's some books that like I'm going to start following um, and reading monthly because I like the writers and artists. So um, and then like some, some new books are there and stuff. So, um, basically when things like this happen, I usually just redo my poll list. And so I re- mm. rewrite it and, you know, take my updated poll list to the shop. And I believe when doing my updated poll list, I think I may have forgotten to add, um, IDW High Republic Adventures to my poll list because I just like grabbed my books at the shop and paid for them and came home. And then I was like, and then I think you had tweeted a picture of like both of the books. And I was like, huh, there's two star Wars comics. I have one here. Hmm. (laughs) So next time I go into the shop, I just need to uh, make sure I add that. And uh, probably um, hopefully it's hopefully Issue two hasn't like got sold out or gotten super expensive in the way issue one of the High Republic series has gone for both books. Um, and I can just like pick one up off the shelf. Mm. Or if not, I may need to, uh, you know, buy a copy for a little bit more money, or I may just buy it digitally on my iPad. So there you go. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. You could do that. Um, although I'm sure if you end up, uh, you know, having a full run of the series physically, you'll want to go in and fill in that gap. I, I would anyway. That would, uh, yeah, that would irritate me. But um, they, you know what? They all just all my comics just go in bags and boards, and they go in one of the mini boxes, and then <sighs> I never look at them again. So it really doesn't. Uh, <laughs> it really doesn't bother me. I just like to read everything. Gotcha. Um, so yeah. one way or another. Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. Well, um, yeah, it, uh, it, uh, obviously not surprisingly is uh, very much a continuation of the, the story from issue one. Um, so it features a bunch of, uh, young Jedi, um, younglings, I guess young younglings is redundant. That's my thing today is to be redundant mm-hmm. with my, uh, mm. my diction, but, Red- uh, redundant yeah. redundancy. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, so it features the younglings and, uh, but this issue actually more heavily features Yoda doing his, <laughs> uh, yeah, Yoda doing his, um, you know, adult man Yoda face stuff, um, that he does in this comic, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, uh, some panels he looks pretty Yoda and some panels okay. he looks pretty like weird 50 year old man. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know. It's just. But, uh, oh, he, he, I'll tell you what, he's got, uh, he's got quite a charming smile. Yoda does, um, in this comic, uh, <laughs> he's got a bit of a, like a Tom Cruise or a, uh, Matthew McConaughey kind of smile here. Um, this, this version of Yoda does. So, uh, a hey. little gl- gleam in his eye, quite the charmer sometimes. No. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it features, um, Yoda pretty heavily on a little, uh, adventure in one of the subplots here. And, um, yeah, kind of continues the story of these younglings um, on this planet um, and, and this planet that has uh, the culture where, you know, um, they uh, 
they've kind of outlawed the force and the use of the force. And there's a conflict between two um, kids that live on this planet that were, you know, were friends. And uh, when one of them uses the force, the other is kind of like, well, hey, that's my friend, but uh, also no force allowed, you know? So that's sort mm. of the the source of the the primary conflict going on, um, at least as far as characters are concerned in, in the books. So yeah, very similar to the first one. Um, so, uh, I think our, our commentary about the art in the first issue is, is, you know, obviously still, um, the same here in this second one. Um, so, mm. uh, which, you know, there's a lot of cool kind of action and, and, and stuff like that. Some of it's a little busy. Um, Yoda sometimes looks cool. Yoda sometimes doesn't look cool, but, uh, but I think it's overall, I think the art style is pretty fun, you know, for a fun kind of kids comic like this. And uh, I think the story is is going some interesting places. And uh, it does, you know, it's very, very much tied into this first phase of, of the High Republic as well. So um, if you're if you're following all the High Republic stuff, if you're really invested and in, in engaged in, in the High Republic, I think um, maybe not quite as much as the Marvel one you know, it, it's not quite as probably necessary to, to be reading, uh, higher public adventures as, as maybe the Marvel series, but, uh, I'm definitely finding it rewarding, um, you know, for the same reasons, because it's, uh, it's expanding that higher public story and, uh, it's a story well told so far. So, um, yeah, enjoying this one as well. Cool. Cool. Yep. All right. Well, that is going to wrap up the show for this week. So thanks very much for listening. Um, we'll be back soon with another episode. Until then, you can find everything we do at blockaderunnerpodcast.com. Um, we'd love to hear from you if you want to send us a message via email at blockaderunnerpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter. Um, the show account is at blockaderun. And Ryan, you are on Twitter at Vayamalay, V-A-Y-A-M-A-L-A-Y. Okay. All right. Cool. So, uh, yeah, thanks so much for listening. And we'll be back soon with another episode of the Blockade Runner podcast. We are all the Republic. <laughs> <laughs>